okay, we're going to do this. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do this. Okay. I'm taking a deep breath. And here we go. I've said this is a double shift maybe thousands of times, so I can do it in every incarnation. This is the double shift. 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 Wait, did I say 2022 or did I say 2020? You said 2020. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't even notice. Oops, am I allowed to say fuck? Oh, definitely. (laughs) This is a fuck positive environment. I got chills. I have to say when you said that. I'm getting getting And that doesn't happen that often for me these days, to be honest. Um, Angela, we have had many, many good times and rich conversation and many laughs over the last year plus. Yes, over all our time on Zoom together. Yes. All of our magical internet-based connections. (laughs) And Double Shift listeners, as you may have heard on the previous episode, this episode will be the last before the Double Shift podcast goes on an indefinite hiatus. Yeah. We're going to talk about that decision because a lot of thought went into it and more than a little heartache. But... We're also going to tell you why this is not an end to the work of the double shift as an enterprise, as a being, but really a beginning. Yes, as I said in our announcement, this is not a death. This is a reincarnation. And we have a lot of exciting things happening in the months to come. And we're going to use this time also to talk about you, how our guests and listeners, really the whole double shift community, have impacted us and been a part of this movement. This is going to be a great show to end on. This is a way to celebrate and reflect and have some closure on this particular chapter of the Double Shift story. Catherine, are you ready? No, I am not ready. Everyone (laughs) asks me if I'm ready. I'm not ready. (laughs) But I'm your host, Catherine Goldstein. And I'm your co-host, Angela Garbus. And And this this is the the Double Shift. Shift. Okay, Catherine, I'm going to put on my journalist cap and go into journalism mode. So let's just get into it. Can you please start off by talking about why the show is ending? Yes, this is an important, hard-hitting journalist question. (laughs) So there are several interlocking, overlapping answers, and I'm going to try to keep this brief and not spend 45 minutes explaining it. So, Well, it is your show, so you can take the time that you need. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here are the sort of top-line, bullet-point, streamline things that will hopefully give some answers. So the number one reason is that this show costs money to make, and despite feeling like I had explored every financial option and nook and cranny, Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time on that throughout 2021. I I just did not see a path to financial viability this year. Not profitability, just viability. (laughs) We we not gave up, but I mean, that was back, profitability was backburnered a while ago. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Um, And to make the show in the way that I want, I want to say. Yeah. And to continue with the voice and the vision of the show. So 
I've actually written about this a lot more in detail in the newsletter we have sent out with the show today, which we're also linking to in the show notes, Mm -hmm. um, because I have a lot to say on this financial and business piece. But the bottom line is that this has a lot to do with forces that are just, like, much larger than me. Which is (laughs) keeping in line with one of the themes of the double shift. Yes. And it's about the podcast industry, and it's also about global capitalism. (laughs) Those are just really powerful forces that have affected this show rather than anything that is specific to our show. Right. So there's big picture things. and But, you know, to boil it down, it's really that money is a limiting factor. Yes. And I have also finally gotten honest with myself that when I am working on this show, I do not have time to do anything else professionally, like basically. And I have lied to myself about that for (laughs) years. And I've told myself that I'm going to have time to do writing or speaking or other work in addition Mm -hmm. to the show. But I don't. I don't. Yeah. And that doesn't make good financial sense for my family at this point. And I feel like it actually limits the impact my work can have and who it's going to reach when I'm only working in this one medium. Yes. I mean, the reason why I'm able to continue writing and do speaking is because you do most of the work on the double <laughs> shift, you and Rachel, you know? Yeah. Like, I get to kind of come in and drop in, but um, it runs because you primarily do that. And that's why I'm able to work in my, you know, in multiple mediums. So yeah. there's all of that. Um, and of course, I think this is, you know, I want to just point out that there are the realities of our personal lives. So yes. among you, me, And our managing producer, Rachel McCarthy, we've got eight kids, ages 11, 9, 7, 6, 5, 3, and 23 months. And there are two of those. (laughs) Two of those at 23 months. And three of those children are yours. Yes. Yes. And we've all spent the last two years in this pandemic with school closures and daycare closures and childcare disruptions and preschool closures and virtual school Also, there's been a ton of social upheaval and just general and intimate grief, and it's been a damn journey. (laughs) Yes. When you said the ages of all the children, I just felt so tired. (laughs) No, absolutely. (laughs) I felt tired as I was saying it. (laughs) Yeah. All of that is so well put, and since having the twins, my personal life has just gotten way, 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 way more demanding. Than yeah. when I had one kid. The the the, yes. the jump from one to three has been dramatic. Yeah. And this is just an unmovable reality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and I think, you know, as I reflect on this, I'm not less ambitious about all the things I want to do, but I am more tired. <laughs> oh, I feel that so, <laughs> I feel that so much. I think that's such a yeah. great way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. And I just... I don't have gas in the tank for nights and weekends mm-hmm. or, like, maniac work binges mm-hmm. like I had done in the early days of the show when I had one kid. And I just also have to be really strategic about what's sustainable. And I also just have to be really brutal about how I use my time. Yeah. I think that's – and because you need something left over for yourself, you yes. know? Um, you know, I was thinking one of our – Listeners and followers on Instagram uh, wrote something in reaction to our announcement, and it it's like, it's perfect, and it kind of broke my heart, but it just really nails it. They said, a difficult decision, not unlike decisions your listeners have been making, especially now. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, the irony of not being able to continue a show about the systemic and social challenges of motherhood and family life, partially because of the systemic (laughs) challenges of motherhood and family life and capitalism, like throw in capitalism, like dash of salt there, that's not lost on us. Definitely not lost on us. Like, and that, in some ways, that's like the most, we're laughing because in some ways that's the most painful part, you know? Right. Yeah. So let's talk some, let's go back to our indefinite pause. Like the double shift has taken long breaks in putting out episodes before, but um, could you explain how, how this is different from that? Yeah. So this is different because in the past, when we went on hiatuses, we had very concrete plans in place to come back at a certain time, like mm-hmm. even if we didn't publicly announce a return date. Right. And so right now we don't have any plans, you know, we don't have any active plans to put out new episodes and... The team is all dispersing to pursue other projects and work, which is, like, heartbreaking for me. But that is another fact of life. So we just wanted to be clear that this was different than other breaks where we were working on other shows. Yeah. I mean, I think I would add that, you know, during breaks, um, you and Rachel were always working still. I mean, maybe there was, like, a little bit of downtime, but I know that you were always talking to people, doing reporting, setting wheels in motion for down the line. Yeah. Um, but so it's an indefinite pause, right? But yes, there's also a difference between a pause rather than an ending. And yes. you have not said that this is an ending. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm open to coming back to podcasting in the future. I'm open to collaborating with you, Angela, on more podcasts. I mean, <laughs> this has been so much fun. Yeah. And if, you know, the last two years have taught us anything, it's that nothing is certain. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. So I just want to leave space for the possibility that in the future, the double shift could again exist in podcast form. And also, I do want people to stay subscribed in your feed because we will make any announcements about future plans and future podcasts there. I'm going to describe this the way my daughter, Lagaya, does when I close the door to her room at night, which is she goes, "Uh, don't close the door. Just can you leave it open just a little crack? (laughs) Yeah. And it was interesting. Some actually really trusted advisors suggested to me that we just not say anything about ending and that we just say we're on hiatus and just, like, not really share that we weren't planning on coming back. Just ghost, ghost everyone? Yeah, sort of, <laughs> yeah. And I just felt like I needed to be honest with our community about where we're at. And I, mm-hmm. I wanted to give listeners some closure and also just to be really transparent with our members who were asking to continue yeah. to support us in our next incarnation about what we're using their membership donations for. Because it's definitely to continue this work. It's just not in this particular podcast form. Right. So before we talk about our plans and, like, how we're going to continue this work, let's pause for a moment. And I'm wondering if you can reflect. Like, you've built a really amazing thing. And I wonder if you could reflect on running the double shift as a business for the last three years. You know, a big part for me has been reevaluating what success and failure mean. So, like, I think when I started the show, I was really focused on success, of the double shift success being sort of a successful career for me. Uh-huh. And I think over time, I've come to see it as less about my personal success and more about the impact the show is having. I love that. 
you know, we've had some really amazing experiences with understanding the impact of the show. Like, I think, you know, we actually just recently did a whole show on the impact, or especially mm-hmm. around paid leave, where people heard our episode about getting better paid family leave at the New York Times back in 2019 and literally said, hot damn, I can do that. Yes. <laughs> and then got better paid leave at their yeah. own company. They went and you know? did that. Yeah. And to me, that is so powerful, and it's really about building a community who are creating impact in small and large ways, and that, to me, is a really important measure of success. I love, by the way, that you just said small and big ways. Yeah. That's one of the things we've talked about. You know, small may seem small, but if it makes an impact in someone's life, if it makes a change in someone's life, that's significant. Absolutely. And, you know, it's always, we love hearing from listeners and we love hearing from listeners about what the show has meant to them and the impact the show has had. And there's one listener who is just very special to me. Her name is (laughs) Kayla. Uh And she sent us a voice memo last year unprompted and told us about how she and a couple of friends inspired by the show started a Working Parents Alliance in Utah. Our goal is for the 2022 legislative session to come armed with information and allies and, you know, work with community groups to make sure that there are bills introduced related to these topics, how working parents and double working parent families were not okay. (laughs) You know, we just need a little bit more flexibility and, and time to be parents and be employees. Thanks for inspiring me to channel this energy into action. Uh, Thank you, Kayla, for warming my heart. (laughs) I mean, it's so incredible. It's not like you're talking about small and big. Like, this is a lot of work, right? She's talking about working with community groups. She's talking about introducing bills into the legislature. Like, so she's lobbying, you know? Like, yeah. And at the heart of it all is, like, prioritizing working parents and families, that's, it's huge. So reflecting on all of this, like part of pausing the show is just like one more reminder, especially for myself, especially for everyone listening, like louder (laughs) for the folks in the back, like, and this just keeps coming up over and over and over in my life that you can't have it all. Yes, you cannot have it all. And it it has been and can be really painful for me to accept this. Like, even when it's my life's work to preach this, like, I still have to accept it for myself. Right. And, you know, this reminds me of an episode. I have a memory of the episode from the first season um, before I came onto the team. And I found it really powerful as a listener. Um, you made an audio diary that was, like, super intimate. And it was about professional ambition. And it was also in the wake of a miscarriage. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, that was what stuck out to me, the you know pregnancy loss, that um, context. Um, and it was about, you know, really this collision and this messy collision of work and personal life. Let's take a listen to that. In my own life and the lives of women I've spent time reporting on, The very idea that there's some kind of achievable, perfect state of life where everything is in harmony for more than a fluky 30 seconds feels ridiculous. And the very idea sets us up to feel like failures. 
I've started to see my life as a working mother as a series of constant decisions and compromises, like a sort of janky Rube Goldberg machine, where as soon as you get one section working, you're either onto some crisis or you're just tinkering with the next part. I've also been in a lot of therapy in the last year, and I have a stronger and happier marriage than I did a year ago. I have a lovable, healthy preschooler. I do not have a second child. I have the accomplishment of making this show, which means something to me, and I think it means something to other people, too. I don't know what my career will look like in one or two or five or ten years from now, but from where I stand at this moment, it's clear to me that not having it all can still mean having quite a lot. Oh, this, I mean, this feels so resonant. You know, we talked about, we've talked a lot about operating from a place of abundance, believing in abundance rather than scarcity. Mm. And I feel like this really gets to the heart of that. And this is something you recorded in 2018. It's definitely not an episode I, like, revisit and listen to in my free time for fun, but it does feel... um, really on the money (laughs) for 2022. So one of my personal obsessions that I think so many families should consider is co-housing. Our episode, Don't Call Me Mom, Call Me Ted, was set in a co-housing community, and we've also talked about it in other episodes. With its common spaces and strong community, it offers kids freedom and independence to roam and connect with nature that is honestly hard to find these days, all with loving neighbors invested in your kids' lives. Right now, there's an opportunity to actually get in on a great community that's about to start construction. Co-housing ABQ owns four acres of land along the beautiful Rio Grande, just minutes from downtown Albuquerque. The community already has 12 kids and many aunties and grandparents, and they've supported one another through COVID and before, creating a culture of trust, fun, and care. All they need to be complete is you. Go to cohousingabq.org slash the double shift to check out their website and sign up for an info session. Honestly, browsing this website, this place looks really dreamy, and I'm not going to lie, it kind of makes me want to pick up and move to Albuquerque. So go check it out and learn more about how co-housing ABQ can become your village. That's cohousingabq.org slash the double shift. It's also linked in our show notes. I just think motherhood is so important and America just makes it way more difficult than it needs to be. You're not crazy. The world is stacked against you. What you're feeling right now is exactly right. You know, you can't do this alone. Nobody can do this alone. Feels good to know there's other awesome moms out there just kicking ass and trying to make change and create community. I really love the show. It like opens my eyes to experiences that are completely different from mine while simultaneously making me feel so seen. (laughs) And I love the idea of building a community around it like this. Thanks everybody for making me feel less alone. 
those are voices from some of our member hangouts in 2021. Yeah, and this is something that I'm really proud of. The Double Shift has, in its own particular way, built a community of care, right? We have destigmatized conversations about mental health. We've challenged judgment and social expectations. And uh, this always is like a weird nebulous thing to me And when you do any kind of cultural work or creative work where we've changed the conversation, right? But, <laughs> right. you know, hey, we have. <laughs> we've changed the conversation <laughs> for a larger community and also with each other. Definitely. And I think another comment we've gotten from several people after we announced our hiatus that is really powerful to me is that the double shift helped them have different kinds of conversations with other moms, Mm -hmm. which to me shows that it's really not just about who listens to the show, but it's the seeds that are planted in listeners' own thinking and sort of how that then sprouts throughout their own communities. It's like a thing that lives beyond the show now. And that's going to keep happening. So, Catherine, the first time we met um, was virtually. And we've only met virtually (laughs) since then. But we've been meeting virtually since then. Um, That was back in 2019 when Mm -hmm. I was actually a guest on the show. Yes, you were definitely our most high-profile guest we'd ever had on the show because we, oh you know, hadn't really <laughs> had any authors. Which like, feels laughable to me, but okay. <laughs> but I'll so take I it. Was, That's really nice. I was thrilled you agreed and you wrote me back and you'd even heard of the show. So I was like, this oh, yeah. is amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of course. I was like, I was super stoked to be asked. I felt like really, it felt like a, it was a major compliment to me. And when you interviewed me, I remember appreciating how... You were really clear, like, this is not a show about parenting. You know, this is a Mm -hmm. show about mothers, mothers as full people. And that's always stuck with me. And that was really important to me. That interview was a really wide-ranging conversation. And it was framed around the idea of the mental load. Mm -hmm. And you said so many fascinating things. But there's this one moment that really stood out for me. And we're going to play a clip of it. But you were talking about growing up as the daughter of immigrants and a person of color and all the things you had to do to navigate the world in that experience. And as you put it, you know, the world was not made for you. I'll also say this, becoming a mother, I mean, before I became a mother, I 100% own up to, you know, like leftist radical political leanings. But becoming a mother radicalized me Mm. in in like a physical way. I just realized that we see it as such a culturally traditional act, but, you know, there's never any revolution without mothers and children, right? I saw so clearly that motherhood is the place to break from our most oppressive traditions, and I think about the shit that I swallowed and the things that I dealt with throughout my life, and I don't want my daughters to have to deal with that, you know? And so I think that... It it was also something bigger than me, and that's what I think motherhood expands your perspective. This idea about motherhood radicalizing you, I mean, that spoke to me so powerfully. And in Mm. some ways, I feel like that was, like, the moment our partnership, like, really began um, (laughs) in some ways because, like, there was a really— powerful intellectual seed for me. And I think, you know, I've had that experience. Like, motherhood definitely radicalized me. My early experiences of mother 
began to radicalize me. And Mm -hmm. then my experiences throughout this pandemic have further radicalized me. Oh, yeah. So when it came to trying to come back to the podcast back in 2020 when I had twin babies and there was, like, a fucking raging pandemic, (laughs) I immediately thought, like, I want help. I want community, like, not just in my life but in the expression of my work. And I want to talk these issues through with someone who is part of this community and thinking. And that's when our partnership began to live outside of your mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you got in touch with me. And, you know, yes. it was, it's interesting, you know, like when I came onto the show, that was a, I mean, that was a t- big turning point for me. Like at that point in the pandemic, I was just like, I am a caretaker. I am completely immersed in domestic life. And, you know, I was thinking that I might actually have to, you know, if not totally give up, like put a real pause on my writing work um, or any kind of professional work. And then you approached me with this podcast that I was like a a real thing that was up and running um, and that, you know, had an infrastructure. And um, I just got to drop in and be part of a team. I was I didn't realize how lonely I was at the time. You know, I got to collaborate and talk about these issues that I was thinking about all the time um, and that were so important to me. And then I also felt like, you know, when you invited me, it was very like because the show was about I felt like I showed up as my full self in that interview. And I was like, well, I'm going to show up as my full self like from this point forward. And yeah, that meant so much to me. It was it was a great time for me and it was such a good opportunity and I'm grateful for it. Yeah, and I feel like that also sort of both of us challenge each other to really reframe some of the things we think we know about. And, you know, that's had a big impact on me. And it's also, you know, not just our conversations. It's really also been about the guests. Like, Oh, yeah. I mean, I could go on forever about what a joy it's been to talk to the amazing guests we've had on our show and how they have really challenged my thinking. Oh, yeah. I mean, the first person that comes to mind for me is Andrea Landry, mm-hmm. who is the— um Anishinaabe activist who we spoke to, when was that, fall of 2020, maybe? I, I, I mean, think it was spring 2021, spring but what is time? It's all, what it, what is time? Yeah. Um, I mean, she said so many things. She talked about, you know, just the importance of feeling our feelings. We as mothers have learned these behaviors from our mothers and our mother's mothers, where yeah, it's important to put our families first. It's important to do the things that we we do daily. And your family won't fall apart if you take 10 minutes to let out your feelings safely. Yeah, your family will still carry on. They'll be okay. And you'll you'll feel a lot better because you'll come out there and you'll be like, yeah, I'm ready to go again. Like, yes, this is awesome. I always feel like I'm floating <laughs> on a cloud after I let out my rage and, and sadness in, in, in healthy ways. And then all of a sudden I'm ready to go play with my daughter again and mm-hmm. really engage rather than this pseudo play that I do with her when I'm feel- when my emotions are stuffed in my body. Yet when I allow myself to feel my feelings, even if I know that supper has to be made or I know that the house has to be clean because I only have 15 minutes to clean the house today because of everything else. It's like, it's all right if the house is a bit messy. What's important is I I need to feel. And I, I tell my daughter, I need to feel. Can you give me a couple of minutes? I need to feel. And she she knows. And she's the same. I need to feel. <laughs> I'm like, okay, feel then. Awesome. Beautiful. <laughs> I 
another guest that really sticks in my mind in terms of like imprinting on me was mm-hmm. uh, Mia Birdsong, who yeah. talked a lot about um, universal basic income and, you know, which was before the child tax credit and a lot of, you know, the conversation has changed a lot about universal basic income mm-hmm. since we had that conversation. But her ideas about deservedness and like what it means to be a human that's alive and deserving. Um, honestly, I feel like she really shaped some of the intellectual trajectory of the show and what we covered in in the years after. Oh, absolutely. And I think every conversation, you know, she's she's such a powerful person and a powerful thinker. And I feel like every conversation we had, we started approaching it from this place of everyone deserves. Yes. Everyone is deserving. We are born deserving. Oh my gosh. And when I think about just all the amazing guests that like we've had the honor of having on the show and like... It's just been such a professional honor to find and tell these stories that, you know, were not familiar to people. And, uh, like, there's just certain people that have just stuck with me for years. Like, um, Nydia, who ran the 24-hour daycare in Las Vegas from our first Mm -hmm. season. Like, many of her clients uh, worked in service industry jobs, and their schedules would change at the last minute. And there were just limits to even the flexibility that Nydia, the 24-hour daycare provider, could offer these moms. I've had moms come in here and and I just say, I'm sorry. And they're screaming at us and they're crying. And one lady said, you know, I don't understand. You you guys are 24 hours. And I'm like, well, we're not 7-Eleven. The best thing we can do is say, hey, give us your schedule on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, whenever you get it. And then we'll make sure that you are put on the roster. Do you think they get angry because they're under so much sort of financial pressure or pressure from their workplace with these sort of unpredictable shifts? Absolutely. Absolutely. I have thought about the families that were using the 24-hour daycare and in Las Vegas like so much during this pandemic and just thinking about how they were struggling so much before and how just really thinking about how challenging these last two years must have been. I'm also thinking about Jenna, you know, who was evicted during the pandemic and mm-hmm. she found out because there was a notice on her door. And my son actually was the one to walk up to the door and find it. Oh. I wouldn't have let them see it. I would have just been like, oh, we're going to go ahead and move. Another guest that has really stuck with me was Christina, who we just interviewed, who ran for local office thanks to the child tax credit mm-hmm. and also went through a lot of ups and downs with her finances. I mean, all the people who have been on the double shift have just imprinted on me and changed my own thinking. And I'm just, like, so incredibly grateful. So on the day we announced to listeners that the show was going on an indefinite pause, we actually had a team meeting. This is, I guess, our wrap-up meeting for the double shift. Me and Catherine with our producers, Rachel and Olivia, and our editor, Anita. You all have had at least a few months to process that this is happening, Um, but I also want to open it up the floor to any initial (laughs) reactions, how everyone's feeling today. 
as we have a shared this with the larger public. How are you feeling today? <laughs> Always the journalist, Anita. I'm definitely feeling like way more emotional than I was expecting. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I can't remember if it was Rachel or my therapist who asked me, which should say something, <laughs> but <laughs> one of the, either Rachel or my therapist asked, like, do you think you're ready for like, what's the end of the show or the reaction? Oh, that was me. <laughs> oh, that was Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, um, no, I don't. I don't. So here I am not being ready and sort of just like experiencing what it is in the moment. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay, so that was our team meeting from the day we announced the end of the Double Shift podcast. So, Catherine, since then, what has listener reaction been like? I'm not sure what I was expecting because I think maybe I was really worried about people feeling let down or disappointed mm -hmm. or, you know, that somehow I had betrayed them in some way. But mm. And I've just had so many big feelings about the ending of the show. And, of course, I know that, you know, some people are disappointed and, you know, are going to miss the show. But there was also just so much excitement and encouragement about what's next for both of us, Angela. I know. That's so... It's so kind and it's so generous and like yeah. genuinely supportive. And it makes me excited about future work and whatever forms, you know, this reincarnation of the double shift takes. And I feel really, you know, held by the responses we've gotten. So, Catherine, you have been working on the double shift in some form, um, in some mental load capacity for yes. like the last three or four years. Yeah. Um, what do you think your new day to day is going to look like? Well, first on the docket is dealing with a planned 10 day childcare disruption, um, right. which course. is starting next week. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> um, and that's actually not COVID related, that, oh, that's good. something else. But um, and then that will be followed by a very much needed trip away from my family. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. Um, um, but then after that, I'm actually really excited to be devoting time to working on our newsletter and, you know, covering topics in the newsletter, like reimagining the future of families and talking about getting, like, non-moms more involved in the care movement mm -hmm. and bringing some unconventional and creative thinking to topics that are, like, very much in the zeitgeist right now, like the, like the four-day work week. So, okay. um yeah, motherhood is definitely going to still be, like, centered in the work, but I just, I want to be expansive, yeah. you know, and just continue to think about all sorts of new things. And, you know, I think back on how much the conversation about motherhood has changed in media in the last five years. I mean, oh, yeah. it's been dramatic, you mm -hmm. know? Absolutely. Um, basically, like, when I started thinking about the double shift, almost all the content about mothers was either, you know, tips and tricks or, you know, personal essays from, like, very privileged white ladies. Like, that was, like, oh, yeah. almost the sum total. <laughs> I, I'm familiar with that landscape. Yes. Um, it was very much motherhood as lifestyle, as lifestyle yes. choices. Yeah. Definitely. And there was just not a lot of talk in mainstream media spaces about motherhood and economics or motherhood and public policy. Mm -hmm. 
or motherhood and political radicalization. Like, mm-hmm. just not a lot of talk about that. And, yeah. you know, I just think about the phrase care economy. That was not really a thing. That was not a phrase that was being used at all. Right. And I would just like to think that my work has had a small part in sort of helping shape some of those larger conversations. And I just like, I want to keep shaping the public conversations because the public conversations are always changing. Love it. Yes. And you, Angela, what does your 2022 look like in as much as we can predict anything? <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. You know, I, and the excitement, I, mainly it's because I, I finished my book. You know, yes. I did the damn thing and the book yes. is coming out in May. And so I have a lot of excitement around that, that um, it's actually helping me too, like through this transition, because I have a lot of excitement. And so what I feel with the double shift is I just feel really grateful and excited that we got to do this. And even mm-hmm. though it's like changing, like I'm just glad that it happened, you know, yes. um, that it's still happening. And so, but yeah, my book, which is called Essential Labor, Mothering as Social Change, mm-hmm. it drops May 10, 2022. Yay. And I'm already planning my tour, which hopefully yes. will be, we're planning it all mostly in person and knowing Yay. that we can pivot, you know, to online if we have to. We all know how to do that. But yeah, like I'm going to be in, hopefully I'll be in New York in May, I'll be in San Francisco. I'll be in LA. Like, it's going to be, I'm so excited. I'm going to be out talking to people about these ideas that have been living in my head for so long. I'm going to be talking about how we can think about valuing care work and the radical potential of mothering. Uh, Listeners, don't be too jealous because I've already read it. (laughs) And I have to say it is stupendous. And I feel like just with such confidence, like listeners of the show are going to adore this book. And I definitely think it's going to speak to people who want to think about that idea of how mothering can radicalize us. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. there's so much of these conversations and the DNA and of how we see the world that is so beautifully manifested in this book that I think it's really going to be a wonderful, wonderful read for listeners. Thank you. And we will definitely be sharing more about the book. There is a link to pre-order in the show notes, so oh, don't wait. Hey. <laughs> go ahead and go ahead and order it, so you're going to get it first. In the publishing industry landscape, like pre-orders are like stupidly important. I'm Very not helpful. entirely sure why, but it's a big deal. Like, well, I mean, it's if you pre-order a book, like people see those advanced sales, and it kind of affects like how many other books. It it just affects the momentum. So it's, if you it's are important. able to, it's greatly appreciated. Yes. And we will also definitely be having some great conversations with our member community about the book. We'll be talking about it in the newsletter. So definitely stay tuned on all the glory of essential labor coming to you, double shifters. So, Catherine, I'm going to deflect and talk not about me anymore. Like You mentioned the newsletter, um, which is going to be free and available for everyone. Yes. Um, And it's really you who's going to be spearheading that. So... um, what else are you thinking about in terms of member community? Obviously, community is something that is incredibly important to both of us. Yes. So I really want to spend more time thinking about building our member community in terms of what it can be and what value you all can provide to each other and support. So we are going to offer an audio newsletter 
to our members. And that's going to include some reading of the newsletter, some interviews that are done in the newsletter, and also some casual conversations between you and me, Angela. Some of that dynamic will also be in the audio newsletter. Great. I'm excited to keep doing that. Um, As someone who's going to be part of the audio newsletter, could you uh, just clarify what the difference between an audio newsletter and a podcast is? (laughs) Yes. Burning minds want to know. So um, the answer is the audio newsletter will have good content and conversation. Like, you know, if you like having us in your ears and maintaining a sense of connection with our voices, like becoming a member and getting the audio newsletter will be awesome for you. But it's not going to be like music and some of the highly produced element that we have in the podcast. But it's definitely for people who like listening and don't have time to read newsletters, the audio newsletter is going to be great. Yeah. Okay. So in addition to the audio newsletter, I wanted to ask you about the monthly hangouts that we've been doing with members. Are those going to keep happening? Yes. So we're going to keep doing our member hangouts as part of our community building And there's just, like, a lot more opportunity for you all to get to know each other and be Mm -hmm. in community together. And I just think that that's been really powerful so far. And I want to keep going with it. And I'm going to have time to think about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's exciting. (laughs) Um, And, you know, so we're going to work on more and more ways for you all to connect. And members can continue to look forward to these virtual hangouts as a ways to connect with each other and with us. Yeah. So, Catherine, you'll be on those and I'll be joining some of those conversations. And it is true. I think like one of the best things about the Hangouts has been seeing member and hearing members talk to each other. Yes. Like people are really wanting to be talking to each other. And it's so satisfying to be able to facilitate that. Totally. And also, like I, in my sort of continued professional impact and the stuff I want to do, like I want to write more articles for national outlets. Yeah, I saw that you had an article in Time about bold ideas for paid leave. Yes, and I definitely, you know, the idea is just like, I want to get my ideas and double shift thinking to more people than I can reach in the podcast. And like writing for national outlets is like one way to do that. And also, I want to do more speaking, as do you, Angela. Oh, yes, definitely. Yes. So hit us up, listeners, for your ERG. (laughs) (laughs) One or both of us, separate or together, whatever you want. Oh, you know, also, like, we're happy to talk to your filthy rich corporation about the future of work and gender equity. Like, we are here for you and those big corporate dollars. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But starting with the support, the financial support that we do have now, we really, I just want to say to the people who are already members, thank you. You've been cheering us on with your dollars, and that means so much, and it will continue to mean so much to us. Totally. And if you want to become part of the community to support us during this next phase and get access to our awesome member benefits, go to thedoubleshift.com slash join. We say this all the time. We couldn't do it without you, and we couldn't have gotten this far without you, and we need you to keep going into our next chapter. Yep. The Double Shift is community-powered, and your membership supports keeping this mission going. So that's thedoubleshift.com slash join. And maybe you've thought about joining us in the past or you never got around to it. So like now is the around to it time. Like this is the time. (laughs) (laughs) No time like the present. Yes. And, you know, knowing you're with the double shift and with Catherine, with us in this next chapter, it's going to make it possible to invest more time and resources into continuing to grow this movement. Yeah. And of course, like stay in touch with us. 
through our awesome free newsletter. And the newsletter, again, is thedoubleshift.com slash newsletter to sign up. Thanks for coming along on this journey with us. We're excited to keep showing up for you because you have always shown up for us. And on that note, we will adjourn this final official meeting. Thank y'all. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Hugs, virtual hugs. Yes. Oh, wait, I have to take a screenshot of all of us together. <laughs> this thing to being together. All right. All right, friends. Talk all to right. you later. Thank Bye. you, everyone. Take care. Bye. 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 The Double Shift is created and hosted by me, Katherine Goldstein. Our co-host is Angela Garbez. Our managing producer is Rachel McCarthy. Our producer is Olivia Richardson. Our editor is Anita Rao. Our research assistant is Jada Hester. Our mixer is Corey Schreppel. Here is my chance for some extended thank yous, not in any particular order, but for all of the people, I hope I don't forget anyone, who have been integral and supported us along the way. Amy Westervelt, Sarah Ventry, Asal Asanipur, Lewis Wallace, Julia Hayward, Ashley Ann Krigbaum, Hyper Payne, Farai Chudea, Juleka Lantigua Williams, Katherine Gibson, Brooke Williams, Allison Moreno, Rob Magaziner at Lipstick and Vinyl, Eric Newsom, Lauren Smith Brody, Eve Rodsky, Amy Henderson, Acton Family Giving, the Ford Foundation, the Southern Documentary Fund, Emily Schwartzlander, Katie Bishop, Alyssa Quartz, Bridget Schulte, Haley Swenson, Sean Howard, Elizabeth Dondero, Katrina Williams, Jane Sacco, Aaron Terry, Nick Cook, Eric Waters, Liz Teroller, Eric, Eli, Leah, and Avi Guajardo, Will, Noli, and Lagaya, Garbez, Pitts, Kay and Buck Goldstein, Judy Morrison, Travis, Asher, Miles, and Jonah Morrison, and every single member of The Double Shift. Music is by Travis Morrison and Blue Dot Sessions. Our theme song is by Palehound. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at thedoubleshift.com slash newsletter. And go to thedoubleshift.com slash join to become a member. We are independently produced and distributed. Thanks for being part of The Double Shift. Double Shift.